Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Just Sling It, my new renamed podcast. And welcome to episode three, titled Nitty Gritty, getting down to uh, final things, starting to get down to final things in some of these seasons. College football is um, now past the midway point, I believe, in their season, or at the midway point. Somewhere in there, and the World of Outlaws are just getting close to being done with the World Finals right around the corner, and definitely an exciting points finish coming right up. So, uh, let's just dive right on in here. First of all, talking with the World of Outlaws sprint cars. Uh, since we did not have an episode last week due to my chest cold, quite paining, um, we have we still have to cover or cover the tri-state speedway and christopher bell won there as a as his own owner and car driver owning his own team now for christopher bell uh so that was a good great win for him um he's definitely gonna have to have a tough decision between uh sprint car racing and nascar someday but i think he'll stick to nascar at the moment if he's at a good team like Joe Gibbs racing. But uh, Christopher Bell is a great all-around driver who can handle during many different situations. And anyway, the rest of the top three, Sheldon Hoddenshield, the young phenom, in second, and the madman, Kerry Madsen, in third. And the points going in to Tri-State Speedway, Brad Sweet was leading Donnie Schatz by 30 points. And now going into the Lakeside Speedway, uh, Donnie Schatz wins a key race to improve his momentum going into the World Finals, into the next few races. Excuse me. And he cuts into Brad Sweet's points lead. Logan Schuhart finishes second, and Brad Sweet finishes third. That is the rest of your top three. Uh, the points battle after Lakeside Speedway, Brad Sweet still the points leader. Donnie Schatz made up four points. No, it's not much, but it'll get the job done. And a points gap like only minus 30. So, anyway, going into the Lake Ozark Speedway for the Jason Johnson Classic. Special 41 lap race. Uh, David Gravel wins a special race uh, for Jason Johnson Racing. Of course, that is the team he races for in the JJR 41. Sheldon Hodden showed once again, uh, led most of the race, but Gravel got up there and passed him on a restart. Um, kind of built momentum around a top groove I saw on a highlight video, which you can check out by subscribing to World of Outlaws on YouTube. They have highlight videos of every race, but uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty exciting. Those cars. Uh, that's a great track for sprint car racing. Uh, and, of course, we can't forget about Logan Schuhart, who finished in the third spot. All right, so the points battle after, Brad Sweet, still the points leader, and since Donnie Schatz was nowhere to be found in uh, the top five, Brad Sweet, I believe, finished in fifth, fifth or fourth, but uh, Donnie Schatz lost points nonetheless, and now the gap is minus 32, um, 
going into the races at Port Royal, the twin uh, nights at Port Royal for the Nittany Showdown. That's the last battle of the Outlaws and Posse, uh, Pennsylvania Posse, that is, for the season. And then it's off to the dirt track at Charlotte for the World Finals from November 7th to the 9th. You can order tickets now on the World of Outlaws website. Um, it's setting up to be a great, great uh, points battle between Brad Sweet and Donnie Schatz. I think David Gravel is kind of, he hasn't, he got the gap down to about 80, what, 80 something points, but um, could could get no further before he fell back. But right now the key focus, I believe, is just between Brad Sweet and Donnie Schatz. And this weekend at Port Royal will really set up your week at the dirt track at Charlotte. So I believe if Brad Sweet gets its two top, two solid top fives at the uh, Speed Palace at Port Royal, which Donnie Schatz has actually been statistically better than Brad Sweet there. He's had a few wins, and Brad Sweet has not yet won there. Sweet. Uh, of course, not particular being the best at any Pennsylvania track, but uh, or the dirt track at Charlotte for that matter. So Donnie Schatz does have an advantage in those areas, but will it be enough for five nights of racing left? That's He needs over just about six points every night, or yes, just a bit over six points every night. So about seven points every night for Donnie Schatz if he wants that championship. <clears throat> from Brad Sweet. So as we check out the last or the latest point standings, Brad Sweet, your points leader at 9,586 points. Donnie Schatz uh, is 32 back. David Gravel in third at 102 back. Darren Pittman in fourth at 326 back. And in fifth is Logan Schuhart with 366 points to the subtractive of Brad Sweets. Now moving on to college football. Um, Iowa finally got a win last Saturday back at uh, Kinnick for their homecoming game. Um, had former Iowa stars there. Um, just really want to win your homecoming game to please your crowd. We had uh, one of the bigger headlines in that game the referees I heard on one drive were absolutely terrible. I was listening to the Iowa game on the radio, Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak, and then and they you could actually hear the crowd booze over the announcers at times. And it was it was getting rough out there for a while. But anyway, your final score was Iowa twenty six, Purdue twenty. Keith Duncan opened the game three of three on field goals, which gave Iowa its first nine points. Uh, Nate Stanley, 23 for 33, 260 yards in the interception. No touchdown passes for Nate Stanley today. Um, Iowa's leading rusher, Makai Sargent, 13 carries for 68 yards and a score. That score was really nice where he dragged uh, safety into the end zone, Purdue safety into the end zone. So showed some strength on that one. And Iowa's leading receiver, Brandon Smith, Nine receptions for 98 yards. Uh, no touchdowns for Brandon Smith. 
now Iowa State and Texas Tech. Really, it was an offensive game that had one stud that we'll get to in the game in the stat line here. Uh, final score, Iowa State 34, Texas Tech 24. Uh, Brock Purdy, 23 of 32, 378 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Outstanding day for Brock Purdy. Uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall, this is the man I was going to get to. Um, he had the uh, freshman phenom now for Iowa State. Had an outstanding day on the ground. Um, 19 carries, 183 yards, two and two touchdowns on the day for Brees Hall the true freshman and i was leading our iowa state's leading receiver tariq milton four receptions 98 yards and zero touchdowns um really just a solid solid win for the cyclones against texas tech as they have some tougher games coming up including oklahoma state and oklahoma uh, we'll preview Oklahoma State, which is this weekend's game, in about a few minutes or so. First, got to get to UNI and South Dakota's final score, which we will do now. Uh, final score, UNI 42, South Dakota 27. Will McIlvain, 8 for 17, 213 yards, 2 touchdown, 1 intercession. Uh, leading rusher, Tyler Hoosman, 24 carries, 111 yards. Two touchdowns, and I was or uh, uh, UNI's leading receiver Isaiah Weston, four receptions, 189 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a huge day for that man. Okay, now the keys to some of these games coming up this weekend. First, we'll start out with Iowa and Northwestern. Uh, one of the keys, one of the three keys I have for Iowa is to really get their running game going because that is what their offense we've learned has really just been based off of this year if they can't get a running game going then the passing game doesn't open up for them and it's usually a long long day for them so which kind of leads into our second key to keep the offense rolling for the UN or now I say UNI the Iowa Hawkeyes <clears throat> excuse me and third key is to score touchdowns in the red zone. I know it sounds like a tall, tall task for Iowa football right now, but it's something you have to do to win football games. Is You have to score big numbers once you're in the red zone. You can't base it on big plays. Uh, you sh you got to learn to sustain drives or else you won't win football games, and that is something Iowa has... It's like once they hit just get inside the 20 or hit the 20 yard line they just hit a stone wall and have to rely on uh our reliable kicker keith duncan to get their field goal and that won't work for you so they really got to start uh capitalizing on that now keys for iowa state oklahoma state iowa state needs a passing game in this game to keep up with oklahoma state's electrifying offense and another key, they need to eliminate Chuba Hubbard, uh, Oklahoma State's leading rusher in the rushing attack in this game. He's the FBS leading rusher this year. So they really, they really need uh, to limit him on the ground and in the passing game. If you take Chuba out of the game, 
and some of the receivers then it's like Tylen Wallace it should be a long day for them um air raid will need to rule against Oklahoma State that was kind of like I said the first key um air raid won't win you or air raid if you have a successful air raid then you should be able to win some games in the Big 12 and a question a key slash question that I had Will, will Brees Hall have another big week? Because if he has another big week, then Iowa State has a really, really good shot at this one. Should be a really good game. Um, try to see if you can use Brees Hall in a big way. All right, now keys to UNI Missouri State. Uh, smash, smash mouth, smash mouth, smash mouth. Say it again. Um, UNI really proved that against... Uh, South Dakota, that they can successfully um, run the football, and then when it does, or when they can, rather, it opens up big, big gains for them, like the uh, receptions by Isaiah Weston. You heard that stat line, like four receptions, 189 yards, and three touchdowns or something. So uh, really can kind of use the play action after you get a successful Smash Mouth football run going. And running to the heart of the defense um, for Missouri State, they, they've always been a bit of a weaker team. So just kind of try to beat them physically and open up play action, like I just said, with that smash mouth football game. Um, that's really a key um, to kind of a, setting the defense back on its heels. Excuse me, and making them... Uh, try to scramble to catch your receivers downfield. So, yeah. Transitioning to Heisman Watch. I've updated my Heisman Watch for this week. And I have Jalen Hurts, quarterback Oklahoma, at the number one spot. Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback for Alabama, at number two. Joe Burrow, quarterback LSU, at number three. Moving up a couple spots, I believe. Um, Justin Fields uh, at number four and Jonathan Taylor at number five. Justin Fields and Jonathan Taylor, they're kind of right up there with uh, Joe Burrow in my opinion, but I believe the two in the front are a bit, are kind of running away with it for now at the moment. So we'll see if uh, any of the two up front have any stumbles, like we, like Jalen Hurts stumbles into like say Iowa State. Because Iowa State has matched them pretty much year after year uh, for the past couple of years now. So, doing that upset. So, we will see. Um, moving into the NFL. Week 7 scores. We'll give you uh, the scores of Week 7 of the NFL. Starting with Thursday. Chiefs. Final score, Chiefs 30. Broncos 6. Uh, Chiefs. Uh, got news today. Patrick Mahomes was out throwing throwing the pigskin around. Or the cowhide, I should rather call it. It's not pigskin, it is cowhide. Uh, at practice today. So that's a good sign for the Chiefs. They really, really need Patrick Mahomes in their offense. It's just the question is, how limited will he be? Uh, final scores from Sunday. Rams 37, Falcons 10. Rams really blew up the scoreboard in the second half of that one. 
Dolphins 21, Bills 31. Dolphins kind of hang around, hung around in this one. Uh, so the Bills, it was they had to earn that one. Uh, final score: Jaguars 27, Bengals 17, Vikings 42, Lions 30. In a key game for the Vikings to win if they want to stay up there and challenge the Packers for the lead in the NFC North. Uh, Raiders 24, Packers 42. Not a good sign for the Vikings as the Packers took care of business against the Raiders. Texans 23, Colts 30. Cardinals 27, Giants 21. That game had all sorts of stuff going on. Blocked punt, I believe, for a touchdown for the Giants in that one. 49ers 9, Redskins 0. The Niners stay undefeated. Chargers 20, Titans 23. Um, Chargers kind of had a lot of close games this year. They really got to get out of those situations, especially since they are definitely a playoff caliber team. Uh, Saints 36, Bears 25. Bears were down for a majority in this game. They came right back, but the Saints took care of business in that one. Uh, Ravens 30, Seahawks 16, Eagles 10, Cowboys 37. And this was really surprising to see the Cowboys offense really open up this much. If they can do this every week, they would definitely make the playoffs and maybe do make a little noise, do a little damage, so to speak. Um... See, and then Monday night's football score, Patriots 33, Jets 0, Patriots taking care of business in that division. And my team of the week this week was the Dallas Cowboys um, for their electrifying performance against the Eagles, Dak Prescott getting back on track. Ezekiel Elliott, I believe, had a couple scores in that game, correct me if I'm wrong. Um... Of course, you know, when their offense is firing on all cylinders, it's hard to stop that Cowboy offense. So, we will see if um, teams improve or teams decline over the course of the rest of the NFL season. I didn't really have any special story planned today. It was just that last podcast episode about uh, Friday night's football game against uh, Pekin. Beacon and Highland, that was a really, really good uh, story that I just wanted to share and put out there. So thank you for joining me on episode three of Just Sling It, uh, titled Nitty Gritty, and will be out on Spotify and all of my available listening platforms momentarily once I upload this. So thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a good day. This is me saying peace out.